Welcome back to Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. More than a podcast. And so a treat for you today as we take you all the way back 40 years to the start of a brand new TV channel. Channel 4. Happy 40th birthday. It's a very special day. It's 40 years ago since Channel 4 burst onto the airwaves in uh, 1982, November the 2nd. I was a little boy of nine uh-huh. being dragged around a shopping centre in Doncaster, uh, the Arndale Centre. Hated being dragged around shopping centres. Ne- never liked it at all. Was a big telly buff at that time. Was always into my TV. And I w- was a really annoyed that mum hadn't got me back in time to see this TV station being launched. This fourth TV channel is amazing. So I ended up seeing the opening um, part of, of Channel 4 through Radio Rental's shop window. <laughs> so I'm afraid, Paul, I didn't actually hear you. I did later on, obviously. A blessing in disguise, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic to to talk to you. Paul Coyer was the first voice on Channel 4. Where have all those years gone, Paul? Oh, it's, it's so frightening. I went to an anniversary dinner about two weeks ago uh, featuring our first CEO, our first programme controller, some of my colleagues, as well as the current CEO and people involved now. And first of all, it's amazing how everyone got on together. It was just a wonderful evening. But secondly, everyone sat there and everyone said, where did the years go? Even people who are now like the CEO of Channel 4, Alex Mann, who wasn't even in telly way back then. But everyone has their memory of the launch of Channel 4. It was such a big deal. And all these years later, I think I reflect actually that I am so pleased I didn't realise what a big deal it was. Otherwise... I'd have been too nervous to open my gob. How did you land the gig? How did you become a continuity announcer for Channel 4? Well, I started in broadcasting in radio for Radio Clyde in Glasgow. And I realised I wanted to get into telly too. So the first job that came up at uh, Scottish Television was... Uh, continuity announcer so back in those days we appeared in vision so I learned how to use cameras uh, I learned how to read the news it was just wonderful and then my days doing radio was spent introducing whatever the hits were so it was a great grounding but I realized very soon that it was limiting so I was given my own tv chat show at the age of two I had a tv chat show running every week called Paul uh, meet Paul Coyer And I realised that I couldn't go any further than that in Scotland. I then got voted Scottish Radio Personality of the Year. And that really underlined for me that from there on, anything you do is downhill. You've peaked at 22, 23. So I started applying for jobs uh, in London and I applied for three jobs. And I came down and auditioned for all three. And the first phone call I got back saying, you've got it was from Channel 4. So I had to make a decision. How desperate was I to try and advance my career by saying, I've done everything I can in Scotland. Let's let's try something new. Uh, And the answer was, I was really quite desperate. I just knew that ultimately I had to get ahead and try something else. So I came down to London and I was the first uh, employee as an announcer there. And they hadn't a clue what they were going to pay us. 
So they kind of gave us a rough idea what the salary was going to be, but there was no arrangement. It had never been done before that when you spoke into a microphone, you were networked on a commercial station. The BBC had it, but networked commercial telly were all broken up into uh, Granada Television, HTV, Thames Television, Scottish Television. So eventually when they sorted out my pay, I was making less than half what I'd been earning in Scotland. So it's a huge gamble, which you can only do when you're in your 20s. I wouldn't do it now. Yeah, I mean, I grew up watching, well, Envision constantly, which announces mainly mm. in different, different regions. Although the, the region I grew up actually in Yorkshire, they never had Envision. They always felt as though they were a bit more, a bit more like the BBC, you know. But if you went over the Pennines into Granada land, they were all yeah. Envision reading the birthdays and things like that. And Time Tees was the same kind of thing. Mm. So, they, so, mm. the, so the continuity announces had character didn't they they were they were they were seen as very important they were they were part of the the, the station you know they were very really important people did you get the impression that when you got the gig at channel four you were very important to them very important in the sense that they were trying something new it was technology that had never been tried before it was also um regional accents amongst the announcers that had never been done before and in fact um, two weeks ago at that dinner, the then programme controller said to me, he said, do you know how you got the gig? I said, no. He said, well, when the government gave us the money to start the station, we were told you must use regional accents. And he said, yours was the only one we could understand. I thought, oh, fantastic. Thank you. It was me thinking it was because I was great. It's not that. It's just that I could be understood. So um, it, it was it was so important, but we were never going to be like the continuity announcers that you mentioned because we didn't pop up in vision between programs. We did a close down every night and we appeared in vision then, but you know, who's up at half past midnight or quarter to one in the morning watching a close down on telly. So no, there was never that aspect. I suppose on reflection, it was a stepping stone. It was a means to an end because once I had six months under my belt, I got myself an agent and straight away, I got offered a job at the BBC at Pebble Mill in Birmingham, and I left to go and make programmes there. So it was very important to me, but we never thought we'd become personalities, no. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you were talking about the accents, and of course, you've got a Scottish, Scottish accent. Have I? First, oh, my God. Yes. There's voice on Channel 4 was a Scottish accent, but all of those accents... Well, in fact, to be honest, most of the people who were the continuity announcers in the regions mm. didn't have accents. Mm. They were in the English regions. They were quite posh, a lot of them. Yeah, RP. They quite, yeah. Very, very strong, rich voices. But, mm. but, you know, you didn't, you know, I remember in Yorkshire, it was people like um, uh, Reverend Kyle and, uh, and and various people like that. And they, they were very sort of, they, they weren't plummy English, but they were certainly, they had very refined voices do you know what I mean yeah yeah, um, yeah. they weren't they weren't you know it wasn't uh e-by gum you're, you're listening <laughs> to Yorkshire TV watching Yorkshire TV you know what I mean yeah it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like that whereas now you get that don't you? you watch ITV and you hear you know um people with with different accents from all all over the country you know which is oh yeah it's encouraged nice. absolutely yeah. and and even you know in the past and you get this on the BBC too viewers listeners would complain if somebody was doing continuity and they dropped their T's or the ends of words. Now it's, it's quite fashionable to do that. You know, um, it's kind of the way people talk on the street. So you got to reflect that. I have no problem with it at all. I think it's great. 
absolutely. Well, just one second. I just need to do something. Could you just, um, you see where those scrapbooks are there? Yeah. There's a, can you just bring them all over to me? No worry. It just so happens. What have you got? Well, I've got somewhere here. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. Because I was doing scrapbooks as a, as a, as a nine-year-old boy. So if you look, I've got uh, Channel 4. Oh, the logo. <laughs> Is that Richard Whiteley at the top? That's Richard Whiteley there at the top. Yeah, you see. Oh, you see. So that's my, that's my scrapbook. So as a nine-year-old boy, I was absolutely obsessed. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see any pictures of me in there, I noticed. No, you're not on there. You're not on there. <laughs> but, but you obviously knew what was coming on that night. So why don't we test you, shall we? Oh, um, okay. What, okay. What did you, obviously, obviously, um, you know what everything started off with. In fact, can you remember, can you remember what the first words you said were? Yeah. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be able to say to you, welcome to Channel 4. And in fact, this afternoon, Channel 4 have invited me back to introduce Countdown, which was the first programme. So I'm going to say something like those first words again, and then a little bit about Countdown before Countdown starts today. So yeah, not only do I remember the words, but that the script I used is framed and hanging outside the boardroom at Channel 4. So it's a wee bit of broadcasting history, I suppose. Fantastic. Nice. And what time did it start? Was it quarter to five, was it? Hey, oh, that. Now you've lost me. I really honestly couldn't tell you because we started shortly after I said, good afternoon, it's a pleasure to be able to welcome you to Channel 4. We went into a very long 10, 12-minute video sequence showing clips from all the programmes that were going to be coming up over the next year or so. So I don't know what time we actually got into Countdown. I can't remember. It was 4.45. It supposedly started, but I think you're right. right. I, think there was a, I think there was a starting point. I remember that's what I saw through the radio rentals uh, shop window. So, <laughs> so you were doing the continuity for the entire evening that night. Apart, right? apart from my dinner break, yeah. You had a dinner break, did you? Okay, okay. So do you, go, let's test you then. What can you... Can you remember what? Come on, I mean, obviously, you know, Brookside was in there somewhere, but yeah. where? What, what was it? so? Four thirty-five was countdown, and yeah. then five fifteen was preview four for 30, 15 minutes. What and came? What, what, what came was, up? Now I'm testing you now. What was preview four? I don't know. I thought that was you. Apparently, it was you according to this. This, uh... it, me, me and the other announcers, that's where we were shown for the first time in vision, oh, right. and we yeah. were previewing programs that were coming up. Yes, so we, that's we were it. playing that's clips from it. Yeah, that was preview four. Yeah, preview. So, uh, and then at half past five, what was the first program after countdown? We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on it. It only takes structure, and, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah, know what I mean. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah, we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like. Me and my man, like me and my man Kai, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this shit. I got a lot. We play with this shit right now for for. I got a lot. Don't play with it. Take that shit seriously. I've got my script. I've still got my script through in my uh, my studio behind me. I should have dug it out. Hey, the first program would have been. Oh god, I've no idea what was it. Well, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was presented by somebody called Yvonne Ocampo. Uh huh. And 
and it was called, and it was by a production company because, of course, that was the other big thing about this, wasn't it? This was the yeah. first time production, independent production companies, apart from the ITV ones, were yeah. uh, were actually broadcasting. This was by a production company called Fifty One Percent Productions. I don't know if they still exist or not. And it was the Body Show. That was the first. The one. Body Show. The Body Show. Yeah. Hang on a minute. I'm going to go and get my script. Just give me one second. <laughs> I want to see what I said about it because it doesn't ring any bells at all. Yeah. Give me one second. All right. I even found my original copy of the Channel 4 theme music. You can see it there. Fantastic. The seven-inch seven single. Right, yeah. I've, got, I've got, got my original script and my original thank you after the launch from... Um, let me see, let you see. I can the, see it. Yeah, fantastic. Chief executive. Yeah, really. Okay, right. So, uh, 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 countdown center break preview. All right, I've got that. Um, the body show. The body show. Okay, right. Okay. Ah, right. There was something called Everybody Here before the body show, which obviously isn't there. Uh, the Body Show is at the same time on Thursday evening. If you'd like to do these exercises at home, there's a Body Show book. It must have been a keep fit thing. Yeah. Keep fit there's thing, a Body yeah. Show book price $3.95 available from bookshops. Fantastic. Wow. Well, they are. I've learned <laughs> well, this, something. This was the, the, the scrapbook I've got here is, is the stuff from the, basically it's the bits from the TV Times. So that's what it is. Ah, right, right. Um, yeah. and, then, and then, of course, uh, at six o'clock, it was People's Court. Right. Shall I read the script going in? Which was that? American, wasn't it? People's Cause American. Yeah. So yeah. Here's, here's what I wrote to go into it, right? What do roller skates and bald tires have in common? Find out in the People's Court next on Channel 4. Now, I have no idea what the hell bald tires and roller skates have got in common, even reading this 40 <laughs> years later. Unbelievable. You bring back so many memories here. And then, and then, of course, after after that would be oh, well. First of all, what do you, well? You're probably you're probably seeing it now, aren't you? Looking at what the have you yeah. have you noticed what's come coming next? What's next? A uh, no. Do you want? Okay, me to? all right. Do, can you remember what came at half past six? Then remember what came at half past six? No. no. A program called Book Four, which uh, was by London Weekend. Ah, right. Yeah, here we are. And it's um, looking at basically looking at books. I think yeah. And now, Len Dayton, Fee Weldon, and William Boyd join presenter Hermione Lee to discuss the treatment of war in books. There you go. And then, obviously, at seven o'clock, it was Channel 4 News. And this was a big moment as well, wasn't it? Because this is the first time that another network had done a proper long program. You know, I think, yeah. in, fact, in fact, Newsnight, had, I think, had just started a couple of years before on BBC Two. But there wasn't mm. really anything like it, really, was there on, on, on TV, really, an hour long program. Doing, you know. No, no, no. Um, and also they decided to change the way news was presented. So Peter Sissons, who was the original presenter of that, he didn't sit at a desk. He didn't stand like Hugh Edwards did. Uh, he sat in a chair with his script on his knees. So people just thought this is the most bizarre thing ever. Um, we didn't get many viewers for it, I must be honest, at the beginning. And um, it was touch and go. Channel 4 News, ITN, who were providing it, were worried that they were going to be able to keep the contract. Everything turned out fine in the end, but it prompted Peter Sissons to make a public remark that it would have been cheaper to print out and post the news to the listeners than to actually do the TV show. So it was a bit of a, 
it was a work in progress, let's put it that way. Well, there's always teething troubles on an opening yeah. night of any, of any yeah. channel, isn't there, really? Isn't there yeah. Really? So, so, so that was Channel 4 News, which um, yeah. obviously lasted a full a full hour. In fact, I don't think it was a full hour, was it? Because that, that's when Channel 4 began. Didn't Channel 4 start these things at 10 to the hour, at 7.50? They'd always have a, a sort of um, some kind of um, like special, special soapboxy kind of thing. It's about ten to eight, didn't they? Or oh, that was always a regular thing, wasn't it, on Channel Four? Yeah, what it was, was called that? comment or something. That was like it. That. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. would get somebody who just had an agenda to come on and yeah. shout at the telly for ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. And of course, mm. Channel Four later on was this, was a place. Well, a few days later would be where you had right to re- right right to reply. That was a big thing on Channel Four, wasn't it, for many many years? Yeah, presented by Gus McDonald, now yeah. Lord McDonald. Yeah, we exactly. used to share a changing room, um, and. I, I suppose, you know, the BBC had points of view, so Channel 4 was just kind of copying that. Yeah, it was better. Yeah. It was much better. Right to reply was a lot better than points of view. No, it was. <laughs> and, and the great thing about it was that um, when uh, we were doing right to reply, a lot of the stars of the programmes would come into the building so we could interview them for preview, like the comic strip, you know, um, Aid Edmondson and Rick Mail and all, they would come in, or Annika Rice came in. Uh, why am I interviewing Annika Rice? She's going to get a boiler suit on and go up in a helicopter and do this thing called treasure hunt. You're joking. She's going to do what? Stuff like that was just exciting. It was really, really great. But you've also have to remember talking about these bits between programs. We had no commercials. There was an industrial dispute with Equity, the Actors Union, and they wouldn't allow any uh, commercials on the telly. So we had this computerized static that burst all over the screen for three or four minutes at a time to fill the space. Other than there were two companies that were allowed on air because the owners of the company did their own adverts. They weren't actors. Other than that, there were no commercials at all. Was that on the opening night? On the opening night, was that? It was for the first two or three months. Well, maybe not as long as that, but certainly the first couple of months, no adverts. Now, of course, at eight o'clock, there was a big moment, wasn't there? Because you were... You were launching and you were introducing um, an iconic soap opera. It must have been Brookside, yeah. I can even remember the opening scene in Brookside as we went into Where's my script? Let's see. Was it, was it that next? Okay. Uh, oh, here we go. Australia's top comedian Paul Hogan surfaces from down under in half an hour. There you are. There's no point in asking me what comes after Brookside. I know. <laughs> this is Channel 4. Now our twice-weekly drama set on a Liverpool housing estate. It's Brookside, and we're into Brookside. Uh, yeah, so the first scene was a dead body getting carried out of a house. Um, and I thought, this is bizarre. As an attention grabber, that is going to do for me. I'll have that. Uh, and it, it showed that Brookside was going to be different. And was it was it that night, or was it the, the next time? Because it, it was on twice a week, I think, wasn't it? Um, yeah. There was one, one night that week, whether it was that night or another night, where one of the actors was also start naked as well in the street one of the actors i don't know which one it was one of the actors was start naked i remember that bit really um, that's stuck in my mind yeah oh i um, don't remember that i don't know well, which the ratings would have gone up that didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> so and what was your impression of it then generally did you sit there watching the programs as they went out well and yes we had to in case anything went wrong but i mean don't forget we'd already seen all these programs because you can't write a script to introduce something unless you've seen it. So we would get um, 
the programs ahead of time. They'd have to come into the building and they'd go down to the videotape VT department, as it was called then. They'd put them on VHS and then we'd all get our copies of it. So we'd know what shifts we were working, what programs we were covering, uh, whether it was movies, dramas, anything. Apart from the live news, we'd seen it all before going on air. And that's difficult to watch a soap opera when you know everything that's going to happen next. You can actually say the words along with the actors. Exactly, exactly. Did you think it would go far? Do you think it would last? Um, to be honest, I don't remember. What I do remember thinking, oh, they have got this sus, was when they did on a Saturday, they did an omnibus. Now, that had never been done before. Corey had never done it. Emmerdale had never done it. EastEnders had never done it. But here it was, this Liverpool um, three times a week soap opera going out for one and a half hours on a Saturday night. That was brave. And that, well, eventually, after I left Channel 4, I used to watch that every Saturday, keep up with what well, was happening. Well, EastEnders, EastEnders couldn't have done it anyway because they didn't start till 85. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, yeah, no, okay, no, fair no, enough. No, 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 no. What, what are we doing? A pub quiz here or something? No, but but, but they copied it, didn't they? Because they ended up doing a big omnibus on Saturday on Sundays, yes, which right. which did very yeah. well for EastEnders for many many years, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so so after so after after um, after Brookside, you, yeah, we got this import from from um, from Australia, which. Became Paul quite Hogan. popular. Paul Hogan was quite popular, wasn't he, at that time? Hugely yeah. popular. This was, of course, before anybody knew him from Crocodile Dundee, before he became a global movie star. Um, and he was he was very funny. He re there were two Australian programmes I remember as kind of being mould-breaking in the comedy front. One was Paul Hogan. The other one was a guy called Norman Gunston. And Norman Gunston was this comedian who used to appear as a TV interviewer. And he would always have little bits of tissue with blood on it stuck all over his face as if he'd cut himself shaving. And he'd go in front of the camera and interview people like, I always remember he interviewed Mick Jagger. And when I got the VHS to watch, to write the script, I actually howled out loud and everyone came to see what it was. And I can remember everyone gathering around. So he deliberately got things wrong. And the whole fun was waiting to see how, this, how long it took the stars to work out what was going on. So you can imagine Mick Jagger shown into a hotel room for an interview. There's Norman Gunston with bits of tissue paper with blood all over his face, hair slicked down, looks the weirdest man in the world. And he starts his interview and he says, I've got with me Mick Jagger, make him a big fan, blah, blah, blah. Tell me, what was the inspiration when you wrote that song yesterday? And, and Jagger goes, what? He said, oh, he said, you and George and Ringo, you, you, you were fantastic. One of my favourite bands. And, and Jagger tries to be polite and eventually, you know, kind of is wound up so much. He said, I think you've got the wrong person. That was the whole essence of that. And that was groundbreaking at the time. Um, so a guy called Cecil Corer, who bought those kind of programmes in, he was the head of entertainment at Channel 4. He's such a great eye in the air. He brought those to Britain you know, arguably made Paul Hogan, subsequently a movie star, a huge uh, name in the UK. He also bought Cheers from America, you know, made a name out of Kelsey Grammer and all those other great stars, Ted Danson, that were in that. So there were some really smart people working at Channel 4 at the time. Yeah, I mean, it was a groundbreaking night in lots of different ways, wasn't it? Because as well as Brookside and, you know, the Channel 4 News and Channel 4 itself and Countdown, of course, Countdown, had, uh, you know, had been a, 
a, a, a regional thing in Yorkshire. We'd had calendar countdown for a while. And of course, this made a household name of Richard Whiteley, didn't it? Over uh, many, many years. Yeah, bless so, and, it's, and countdown's still going strong. It's still it's still there, isn't it, on Channel 4, which is fantastic. Yeah, um, as I said, so, I'll be introducing it this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as well as all of these things, there were other things that night as well, because there was a, a, a TV film that's launched that night, Film on 4, um, right. mm -hmm. which was called Walter. And do you, ah, who, do you remember who played Walter? Sir Ian McKellen, I remember he's, really well. One of the best things he's ever done. And he wasn't yeah. Ian, he wasn't Sir then, of course. He wasn't no, Sir back no. then. And that was a big moment for him. That that was a turning point in his career, if I remember rightly. Oh, and hugely. That, but also that kind of, um, I suppose now we'd call it being on the spectrum, that kind of autism had never been portrayed on screen as anguishly as that he was this man who was trying to communicate and couldn't understand why people couldn't understand his communication and weren't communicating back and he became more and more and more shut in and isolated it was heartbreaking it was brilliant and of course it's kick-started the whole thing of films being made in britain again didn't it because film four invested in movies and within a few years we got my Beautiful Laundrette and all sorts of other films that have been made. Chariots of Fire, yeah. Out of yeah. the Channel 4 stable, which was fantastic, wasn't and it? And so, still, still to this day, that's Still to this day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. So is that. And then, of course, it also launched the careers, you've already mentioned them, actually, of some famous comedy actors as well that night. The comic strip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's so, so great because I knew at that point uh, from Glasgow, I, you know, you used to go out for dinner and drinks with... Robbie Coltrane, and so I knew him, and then he latterly joined the comic strip as well. So it, they were a great bunch of people, and they were doing stuff that was beyond my understanding. And in fact, somebody sent me a clip recently of me interviewing Jennifer Saunders and um, Don French on Pebble Mill at One a couple of years after uh, we'd all met at Channel 4, and they had, for the first time, formed their own double act. And here's me as the interviewer saying, oh, it's really good, but do you think it'll last? Have you got the legs to get going? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a perfectly sensible question for an interview to ask, but in retrospect, it makes me look a right chump because, of course, they do. Uh, do you remember what the title of the first comic strip presents was? Uh, was it Five Go Mad and Dorset? It was. It was. Oh, the Mickey good, take of the famous five. Yeah. <laughs> Lashings <laughs> of ginger beer. That's it. And of course, it was Aid Edmondson, Dawn French. Uh, Peter Richardson and Jennifer Saunders, yeah. uh, but there was also an appearance in that from a an actor who was regularly in Crossroads. Do you know who it was? Regularly in Crossroads. Yeah. Uh, no, you got not Meg Richardson, was it? <laughs> no, it was the, it was the guy that played David Hunter. Ronald, oh, Ronald, Ronald Allen. Allen. Was it yeah. yeah, was he in that? Was <laughs> yeah, he? Oh, in that one, did yeah. he play a baddie in that? Was he? I'm not evil? sure who he played, but he was he was in it. Um, oh, I right. remember him. I remember that one because on that night I was I was I remember shouting oh, there's there's David Hunter, there's David Hunter. <laughs> so how did Channel Four finish that night? You did your best spiel, I suppose. Well, yeah. how did it, so what what finished it off that night? What was the last so um the very last program let me have a quick look at my script what? oh uh got two part thriller tomorrow pre and mantis uh blah de, blah de, blah okay so ah right it was something called in the pink um 
presented by the Raving Beauties. And uh, it was a kind of uh, burlesque show with poems and stuff. Because uh, out of it, we've got an address if you want to receive copies of the poems. And then I appear in Vision uh, saying that brings us almost to the end of our first night's programmes in Channel 4. Then I'll look ahead to the programmes that are coming up the next day. And um, Brookside's back again. Da, da, da. And in the uh, pink had a future Juliet Bravo in the mix, didn't it? One of the... Um, Anna Cartwright was in, in the pink. Boy, she didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, she was the right. second, the second uh, inspector in uh, Juliet Bravo. I'm right. <laughs> uh, and then I'm saying, and tomorrow night, we've got our first film on for uh, proper, which is uh, Patang Yang Kipperbang, which was... Oh, that was brilliant, Jack wasn't it? It was, that directed was by Michael Apted. Yeah. And then we had this peculiar thing, 10.30 the following night, I'm saying we'll have Voices, a forum for debate on the arts chaired by Al Alvarez. Now, this was a weird thing, because what they used to do... They had carpets hanging around. So they had an empty studio with carpets hanging in a semicircle and chairs in between the bits of carpet um, and people just talking about the arts. And that was open-ended. We never knew when that was going to stop. If the guys run out of things to talk about, it would last half an hour. If they were in their groove, it could last two hours. So we'd be <laughs> sitting there wondering when the hell we were going to get home. Anyway, um, were you there? Were you there at Channel Four when they introduced? Because I remember, I remember again being a you know when I first started Channel, started Channel Four, it was I was only nine, so I wasn't up very late. But as I got into to my teenage years, Channel Four, like BBC Two, would always be a little bit risque late at night. Yeah, and they used to have a, a program after midnight called Sex Talk. Were you there <laughs> when they were doing Sex Talk? No, I only. After we went on air, I only stayed six or seven months. So that's that's after my time. But yeah. I was there when, because we were Channel 4, the newspapers printed our title as Channel Swore, because they said we had too much swearing. There was swearing in Brookside and Walter and all that sort of stuff. Channel 4 letters. Um, so we got pelters. We could really get into trouble for the language. So what they decided to do was they introduced this red triangle. And if the red triangle appeared on screen, it meant parental guidance is necessary, either because of language or nudity or whatever. But no, I missed the sex talk. That's a shame. I could have done some great interviews there. It was good. It was good. It's very dark. It's really dark and room. And we just these people just talking very openly about. I mean, I, I think if you listen to it now, it probably wasn't risque at all. But yeah, at that yeah. time, and as a 13, 14 year old boy, it was quite exciting, mm. really. You know what I mean? So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to your question about how we finished after I did this thing in Vision saying, and, and finally tomorrow night, we've got sleeve notes where we'll have Mike Batt, Duke Ellington, Gil Scott Heron, and the National Jazz Youth Orchestra. Uh, and that's it. That's our programs tomorrow. And then I walked over to this television set and we had a candle in the shape of the four logo and I blew out the candle. Now, obviously, we practiced that during the day and every time I blew it, the candle fell over. So I was so nervous. I just had to very gingerly blow it and it went out and it was great. And then they cut to black and that was the end of the first night. And the jingle and the ident, because mm. that was new, wasn't it? It was a special ident. How did that? Yeah. How did that work? And was that... You know, was that something you had to sort of play with and make sure worked properly? And did it did it ever did you ever crash it or what was the situation with the old the old sort of colours and all the rest of it? Was it just a 
you know, well, that was, anything... it was already pre-recorded. That was on video. So when you wanted it to happen, you just pressed a button. Well, I'm saying you, not the announcer, not me, but the um, the producer through the glass in the control room would just press a button and it would fire. Uh, but we did crash things a lot because I said earlier we were the first with new technology. One of the new technological bits we were dealing with was computers who switched on your microphone at a certain time for you to speak and switched it off. So our, these things that I'm saying were scripted had to be timed. So if you made a mistake halfway through, you were going to have to get yourself out before the um, the computer chopped your microphone off. So you could be halfway through saying, and now it's time for kick instead of countdown so you had to be very careful we did get chopped off but the actual logo um they got an advertising agency to deal with that uh to make it up and um obviously the music uh i, I mentioned earlier i've got the single here the original single here david dundas wrote it the guy who wrote jeans on which was a big hit and david dundas always said he bought a house out of those four notes it was Channel 4, so he knew he wanted music that had four notes. Bam, 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 and then a drum roll. Um, and those four notes, as I say, made him an absolute fortune. So put that together with the exploding four. It always used to explode outwards at the end of the night. The beginning of the day, it would explode inwards and form the number. Uh, and they went together iconically well. And it still exists, doesn't it, in its own way. They've managed to, you know... Resist changing it completely. I mean, we know we Absolutely. know where what Channel Four is, which is which is great. Yeah. So, um, drawing to a close, it'd be great to reminisce and memorise about you know the, the first the opening nights, as it were. Um, you must feel you've done a lot in your career, but you must hmm. feel quite proud to have been there at the moment of a huge network. Because thinking back, you know, this was this was a big thing, wasn't it? We've got loads of channels and God knows what now and. People don't think of it as being a big thing, but actually the launch of our fourth network in the UK, doing something different, uh, was a very special moment, wasn't it? It was huge. Absolutely huge. As I said, I didn't realise how huge at the time. I've actually launched two more channels since then. Neither of them are still around. One was for Disney. Uh, one was a travel channel. They've gone. Channel 4 has lasted and, and gone from strength to strength. It was a huge moment. Of course it was. Trying to explain that to, like, even my daughters, uh, you know, they, they're used to the multi-channel environment. Oh, is that on Disney or is that on Paramount? No, no, I think it's on Netflix. I think it's on Amazon or is that on Sky? They don't have any conception of the fact that people only had three channels to choose from. Uh, and here was this, we've added on another channel. It was so big. And... Um, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. It's a trivial pursuit question now that's come up. Um, it's used in pub quizzes. Who was the first person to launch Channel 4? Uh, I, I, I feel privileged, honoured to have been asked to do it. I really, really do. And uh, I'll never get the chance to do something like that again because we've got too many TV channels. It'll never be that important again. And if somebody said, is there a pub quiz question about who was the first voice on BBC Two? No. There should be. I've worked with them. Uh, Dennis Toohey, an Irish presenter, I worked with them on a BBC show called Garden Party. But for some reason, they always remember the Channel 4 launch. I'm just grateful that they do.
Fabulous. And as you say, you're going to be back there again, back there again today. To back uh, introducing Countdown today and looking forward to it. Fantastic. We've obviously lost quite a lot of people along the way in those mm. 40 years. And one of those people, of course, was the person who presented the very first programme, who was Richard Wiley. Mm. He was a real character, wasn't he? I mean, he, he became a huge star. Oh. Um, he, and for, for, for you know, we I grew up watching him in Yorkshire. And he was he bumbled away along, you know, he, he'd do interviews with politicians, and he wasn't really serious about anything really, or didn't seem serious. But everyone loved him, and people would run back home to watch Calendar. You know, kids would actually rush back home to see Calendar. You know, it's a news program, but actually everyone enjoyed Calendar for some bizarre reason. But Richard managed to keep everyone to get you know because because he'd do the fun stuff and the serious stuff and all the rest of it. And there he was, uh, you know, creating this. This um, rather sort of, I wouldn't say dull quiz show, because it's not dull, but it is a very sedate quiz show. And it's yeah. amazing that it's lasted so long and been popular with generations of people, hasn't it, in terms of students and older yeah. people. Yeah. Everyone seems to love a bit of Countdown, don't they? Do you still play it occasionally? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Countdown. Um, and Richard, uh, Richard and I used to meet up, uh, I'm not saying all the time, but we used to meet up if I was working for Yorkshire TV, he and I would go out for dinner. And it was a waste of time going out for dinner with Richard because we could never eat. Hughes of women would be at the table wanting his autograph. He'd become this huge sex symbol. It was like, I was my mouth hitting the floor. I couldn't believe it. But he was the loveliest of men. And I uh, presented this quiz show for eight years for BBC Two called Catchword. And the floor manager, so it went out against Countdown, BBC Two versus Channel Four. And there was always this race about who's going to get the, most, the highest ratings. So I would always come out each day for the recording. And the floor manager jokingly would say, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one king of the daytime quiz. Would you welcome Richard Whiteley? And I'd have to walk out and go, oh, yeah, yeah, very funny, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, on the last night, eight years, eight series after we started Catchword, uh, I think here he goes again. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one king of the daytime quiz. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome Richard Whiteley? And I go to walk out, and Richard Whiteley walks out. They had phoned him up, and I had told them about this running gag, but they phoned him up and said, would you come up, would you fly up and just surprise Paul and be on the last show? And um, so he went and he sat down in my seat on the catchword set. And the audience went bonkers, of course. Uh, and I couldn't get him out of the blinking seat. He wanted to do the show. So um, he was the loveliest of men. Fancy taking time out your day to fly up. And he stayed overnight and we went for a meal and we went to a club and all the rest of it. Fancy giving up a day to do that just as a nice little nod to somebody. I was so grateful. What a, what a man, what a yeah, wonderful uh, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic, Paul. It's been lovely to talk to you and here's to another 40 years of Channel 4. I so agree with you. Happy birthday, Channel 4. And Ashley, thanks for, for the chat. Thoroughly enjoyed it.